Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Hey everybody, Holden here. Because of your support, The Wizard and the Bruiser is about to start getting advertising, which is like a really huge deal for us. And for that, I just want to say thank you. In the meantime, if you could fill out this short survey, it would really, really help us out a lot. All you have to do is go to this website. It's wondery.com forward slash survey. Once again, that's wondery, W-O-N-D-E-R-Y dot com forward slash survey. It shouldn't take too much of your time and it'll really, really help us out. Thank you so much for listening and on with the show. actually don't know the theme. Do I we? don't actually know it. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Wizard and the Bruiser. I'm your funny wizard, Holden McNeely. And I'm your super serious bruiser with a dark past oh and his God. children were smashed against the rock oh. by the orcish hordes. And I will vow vengeance. Why, why, why? That's my funny horn. Also, I just turned you into a frog. Now you're a dog. A frog dog? Yeah, it's a frog dog. You're too you're too silly, you a goddamn filthy, wizard. Filthy, dirty frog dog. This is the problem, folks. If you're familiar with the other show I do, Roundtable of Gentlemen, I record that one before this one. <laughs> and it makes me weird. It makes me weird. We used to record it after this show, and I feel like that was a more a more normal sort of flow, but now I'm just in a weird, crazy person. No, nah, man, nah. Keep holding weird. Get Keep the t-shirt. Buy there it online. Go. There you go. There is actually a t-shirt. Hold Nader Show and the Wizard and the Bruiser t-shirt, and you can get that on. On the merch cave comedy radio page everybody we are doing our episode on bungee today if you didn't look at the title which is like what an insane person does before they listen I to get a podcast cranked up on all sorts of club drugs <laughs> blindly tap my phone and hope that a new episode plays and i only find out when we announce it and when i record it right now as i'm speaking what kind of club drugs you're talking about twish bit um, mish are we talking about horse stimulants i'm talking about beth amphetamines <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. Crystal Beth. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, Bungie. I mean, what what is there to say? So many things. Probably about an hour's <laughs> worth. <laughs> well, when you think of Bungie, what do you think of? Like, what 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 immediately comes to your mind? Because um, I think about cool guns and dudes in helmets 
shooting those guns at really wriggly enemies. I think about uh, other kids on the internet that are younger than me murdering me immediately. I think about um, friends. Smoky dorm rooms. I think, yeah, I think about friends losing their lives to this thing. Like, I didn't have a ton of World of Warcraft friends, but I definitely had friends who, like, lost their lives to Halo 2 and 3, like, big time. I think about, um, yeah, I think about sci-fi worlds, and I think about crazy 10-year-long uh, experiments. <laughs> and we'll get into that, that shit. Billion-dollar nightmare experiments. Billions of dollars. <laughs> I think it was an estimated, like, $500 million was the investment on Activision's end for Destiny. Yeah. That's a little spoiler alert for later on in our uh, our episode. But this, this story goes all the way back to 1991 and even a little before that. I mean, this is like... You know, these guys were around making I, I, this was an, an interesting, interesting uh, research uh, assignment for me because learning about sort of the way that they uh, Bungie was making things around the same time as, you know, it's software, the Doom guys um, and sort of on the forefront of of first person shooters and different things uh, of that nature. And, it, and just the way also that. They somehow like seemingly went from just zero to 100 with Halo and what they were working on before Halo, like crazy stuff. Doing the research for this episode, what really got me was uh, the fact that like Bungie has found themselves in the center of the two dumbest conflicts of uh, tech of the tech world, which is they were part of the Mac versus PC debate Mm. slash war slash it's not really a war if like one side just utterly dominates the other and the other side just is kind of pretentious and whiny forever about it. Yeah. And then the console wars on top of that. Yeah. And there's Bungie in the middle as just these, uh, these these capital ships like flying the banner that people rally around. Like, Literally, the Master Chief was flying a giant <laughs> flag that said Bungie on it during that initial reveal um, for Halo. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. MacWorld 1999. Yes, MacWorld 1999. Well, how do we get to MacWorld 1999? And it all starts on May 1991 when Bungie Software Products Corporation, based in Chicago, is established by a man named Alex. Seropian. These are the two names you need to know. The Armenian cluster bomb himself. Dr. Fuckstick. (laughs) Alex Seropian and Jason Jones Mm -hmm. is the lead uh, dev uh, of the company. And really, it's just these two guys at first. They met at the University of Chicago in the perfect fashion. You couldn't come up with a better Mm -hmm. way for these two people to to meet in an AI class, Mm -hmm. a class about artificial intelligence. (laughs) That is where they met. They literally met like learning about what would become Cortana. Tana, you know, um, uh, and, uh, you know, Seropian's interested in computer programming. He gets a degree in mathematics with a concentration in computer science because actually back then they didn't even have an undergrad degree for com- for computer programming. There was you nothing You might as well get an sort. undergrad degree in uh, quantum magic. Flim flam and turning <laughs> turn walls into the uh, flannel, you know? Walls into flannel. Yeah, walls into flannel. I pulled it straight out of my ass <laughs> and I wish I could shove it back up there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so these are so the two just have this this shared love of developing games for the Mac. And uh, one of the big things about the Macintosh Apple scene back in the day is that 
it's kind of really close knit. Like the Macintosh had been pretty much trounced by the IBM PC Windows machine at this point. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're making games, you're generally doing it on on the IBM on the PC, correct? At this point, I believe. At this point, just because the audience is so much bigger and the uh, community is just. Uh, you know the, the 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 actual hardware available to you is so much more readily available, and so well, uh, fuck you, PC. <laughs> Get ready for NOP oh. with a G. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for NOP? Are you ready to talk about NOP for the next ten minutes, Jake? Uh, I mean, it was a uh, ping pong. I mean, a, a pong clone. Yes, but it used a black and white pong clone. Yeah, but to fuck the whole game up. It used volleyball rules. Booyah! <laughs> Booyah! Uh, I, you can see footage <laughs> of Bungie's first game, Nop, which is just Pong backwards. Uh, as a, uh, I watched it. <laughs> if you lose, there's a little I voice watched. clip of Alex going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I used, um, I, I watched a lot of videos today where it was, uh, voice is going, okay, we're going to play through an early bungee game now. Uh, it was a lot of videos that started mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then very dry. old. I mean, old games, man. Mm-hmm. They were pretty dry and, and flat and, and simple. Uh, so for this game, this was actually, I believe this was Seropian on his own. This I don't, was Seropian on his own. And and, uh, uh, and after that, uh, so after that game happens, that's some freeware that does just well enough for him to found Bungie. And, for uh, $15, he would give you the source code where you could mm-hmm. learn all sorts of Macintosh programming tricks, like moving a rectangle up and down and <laughs> having a voice line go, <laughs> when you lose. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a free Apple Macintosh exclusive. After that, he stepped it up a little bit mm-hmm. with Operation Desert Storm. Now, my favorite part of this <laughs> is at uh, the very end. The boss. The boss, the boss of- is a giant Saddam Hussein head. I couldn't find Did you find it? Uh, you I was can, like, trying to find sh- videos. Uh, you can see screenshots of it, but it's a very simple game. You pl- It's from a top-down perspective. Yes. You play a boxy tank, and it's kind of just a single-stick shooter where you're just navigating around obstacles and shooting enemy tanks and the last uh the last villain is just a floating Saddam Hussein head uh which I mean if you remember the invasion of Iraq and uh you know the free the liberation of Qatar and uh you know it's uh, George H.W. Bush and leading a country and I'd surely stand up next to you and defend her still today (laughs) it was a very American game uh Seropian actually borrowed ten thousand dollars from his parents whether or not that's just a luxury that a suburban Armenian kid has, whatever. Um, and uh, he sold enough copies around 2,500 to make yep. it back. And uh, these copies he boxed and mailed out from his bedroom. I mean, this is <laughs> like people, this is people are uh, doing, uh, you know, there was just a phone number you could call or a mail, uh, uh, like some, some mailing address, maybe a PO box, maybe just his home address that you could mail into to get these copies. I mean, this is incredibly DIY. And around this time is when he meets Jason Jones. Um, Jason Jones, the bad boy of Bungie. Now, I don't even know if that's true. I'm just I mean, setting it up. In I our mean, previous these... uh, developer <laughs> roundups, there's been the bad boy and the nerd. And both of these guys are just kind of bad nerds. Kind of bad <laughs> nerds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He got into programming in high school. 
He learned uh, AppleSoft Basic and 65OT Assembly on Apple II. Um, uh, he, he ends up uh, getting a job right out of uh, high school um, uh, working on PCs, programming uh, on PCs for a design company. And then um, he ends up uh, programming some games before he goes to college. And one of those games was a, ga- a game he was working on called Minotaur. The Labyrinths of Cret. There you go. The Labyrinths of Cret. An incredibly not generic sounding name <laughs> for a fantasy game um he ends up uh actually uh porting it i believe from to a mac um it was uh inco- he made an incomplete port to the mac and showed it to his friend alex seropian mm-hmm. and uh alex Sorobian who was, had just gotten done yeah. creating operation desert storm it was like hey you have a game i'm technically a games publisher i want to pu- i want to help you publish this game and uh the thing about minotaur is again very basic simple black and white graphics uh it's uh, kind of an RPG dungeon crawler. You pick up items that help give you extra bonuses to help you defeat monsters so you can collect more items. But. Oh, shit. You connected them via a network. Multiplayer. Do you understand? Do you even Can you even comprehend the idea of playing with other people? In 1992. That's bonkers you had to have very special setups for this you had to have this thing called apple talk which allowed lands to be connected with no prior setup or need for a centralized router now um and that was released in 1985 essentially like apparently it was insanely complicated to connect them without it or a ppp it connects two routers directly without any host or other networking device between um the tagline which was used later in halo 3's multiplayer uh, menu the tagline is kill your enemies kill your friends enemies kill your friends uh and that game again this is right now we're at a very incremental early stage where they're releasing these little games having a little bit of success and then allowing their company to grow and so the mild success of uh minotaur the labyrinth of crete uh allows gives them enough leeway to make their first kind of like full-sized game and that is pathways into darkness and this one actually sets the mac world on fire because it uses a uh, unique uh, graphic system called ray casting that allows uh, wolfenstein 3d use the same thing that kind of not quite fully 3d but you're still like walking through hallways and traveling through what looks like three-dimensional space right and it was heavily inspired by wolfenstein 3d now i mean you have to realize that this time wolfenstein 3d hits the the gaming world and is on fire i I mean mean, it was incredibly popular everybody was playing this game and so mac needed their version of it or or something that could could possibly be a a go-to for anybody who owned a mac as as opposed to a a pc um and so yeah this was this was uh, sort of the answer i mean i you know, if you got to realize it's a big fish in a small pond. Yep. I mean, you know, that all they had to do is put this out as just some sort of version of it. Um, it's uh, it's uh, more akin to a uh, to a pen and paper RPG. There's a lot of stat management, a lot of inventory management, and uh, you're kind of traversing from dungeon to dungeon, going deeper and deeper. In theory, you kill an old god, but it's uh, notoriously difficult. Special a special forces soldier must stop a powerful godlike being from awakening and destroying the world. Um, one of the things uh, in this game that would drive me completely insane because I hate this in games, the whole <laughs> game was had a timer. 
and if uh, the timer <laughs> ran out, the old god would wake up. So, like, another thing, by the way, I think this is the first sign of what would you would later find this in Halo. Uh, it, it it allows you to stop and regenerate your health. Health would your health bar would huh. regenerate, much like you would find in the shields in in your Halo guy um, in your Master Chief man, Mister Master Chief man. Is that what you call him, Mister Chief? <laughs> Mister Chief. And uh, so, uh, but this would also take up. Hello, I'm Mister Chief. Have you seen my tiny blue naked lady? Uh, I my must. God. I simply must find my tiny blue naked lady. Cortana hardly even uh, nailed her. <laughs> oh, 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 I love your ribald sense of humor. Do you mind if I smoke this joint in your living room? Of course, I, Mister Chief, welcome all drug use. I love you, thing. Santa Claus. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. At this point, they're located in Chicago's South Side. They they open up an office in Chicago's South Side now. By the way, there's a lot of really cool old ass footage oh, yeah, of yeah. Bungie. I really enjoyed that. I highly recommend you looking it up on YouTube. Um, and there's some footage of them going back to their old office too to look at it. It was it was like there was a crack house behind <laughs> it. It was a former girls' school. They got broken into multiple times. Like this was really they started at the very beginning. And and man, there's a real like and they talk about it kind of in the things I've read as well. There's a real frat house vibe to this office. I mean, it's just like four or five dudes just being dudes. We're in this getting office. into mid '90s marathon era bungee. Yeah. And- there is tons of footage, especially like old Macworld, uh, you know, magazine CDs would include interviews. They would uh, record uh, bonus features for their games. And this is what I thought being a game developer was. This was the yeah. dream yeah. of every red-blooded 12-year-old boy that was just like, I don't need a real job. I'm going to eat pizza and grow my hair long and wear flip-flops all the time and sell video games. So much pizza. <laughs> There's literally a moment where they're all sitting on the floor eating pizza in this footage, and then he pulls out uh, the lid of a pizza box where they have written their programming <laughs> notes on their bug notes, like on this back of this pizza box. He's like, we got about like five or ten of these just sitting around. Just like, we just tick off these notes. You know they're I'm just saying? making fart jokes and like dicking around with like 90s VR helmets, which are the dumbest things that yeah. were ever invented. This is more when they were making Marathon as opposed to um, Pathways, but Marathon comes next and we'll get into it more. Uh, but at one point, there's a, the guy who's shooting the video. He's like, hey man, I don't I don't know who the guy is. I don't know which one of the guys it is, but he's like, hey man, you heard a quake? And he was like, oh yeah, I heard a quake. I got it right here. And he shoves his hand down his pants <laughs> and he pulls out his hand with nothing. He's like, I got it right here. Huh? It's, it's a lot of the shit. Dream. There's like mooning each other the and dream and game and gaming and playing their own games with each, in multiplayer with each other, which was like such a such a huge thing at the time. I don't need a real job. I'm gonna be a video game master. And I, I will say too, um, because w- this must be uh, uh, talked about as it comes up. Pathways in the Darkness was also the first time where they're really trying to come up with more interesting storyline, and a lot of what they were doing that games like Wolfenstein or Quake or Doom weren't were coming up with actually really elaborate, interesting sci-fi plots. Um, for you know, for the time. I mean, in comparison to today, I mean, no. We, we got to talk about Marathon. We yeah, have yeah. And so, so their next game is Marathon. It was originally intended to be a sequel to Pathways, but it ended up being a futuristic first-person shooter. Um, and actually, dude, to blow some motherfuckers' minds right now, it was Marathon. Apparently, it says in here that Marathon is what introduced rocket jumping. Uh, there is rocket jumping in Marathon. Uh, I've seen speed runs of the game, and it is like 
a definite way to like kind of get past various obstacles. Now, rocket jumping is more associated with Quake. From the resource I saw, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they that actually Marathon introduced it. Um, it's where you shoot a rocket launcher at They're the ground. They're listening to this podcast. They know what rocket jumping is. I mean, I gotta explain. Just you the, can't download this podcast without 300 hours logged in TF2. What, what if it's, you know, he's like, mama, mama. I want you to understand what I like. You know what I'm saying? Are you saying what if there's a baby Italian immigrant? Um, a, a literally named Super Mario that goes to his mother named Bowser and uh, has her, you know, and shows her the bungee episode. I'm saying this is an edge case and we should probably focus more on the core audience that has grown to love our hilarious talk show. So anyways. I'm a sorry, baby Mario. <laughs> what a curse that that, that, uh, that child is uh, obsessed with bungee and not uh, the Super Mario Brothers franchise. Uh, Marathon is was made in, in interviews. I heard uh, Jason Jones say this. Uh, they knew that they needed to make a Doom-like game for the Macintosh, but they didn't want to just kind of go to the lowest common denominator. They wanted something more substantial. And the plot of Marathon involves uh, AIs uh, fighting and then like joining forces with a co like collaborative alien race that also like subjugates other alien races and uh, the core the core issue is the idea of rampancy the idea that ais if given enough time become so self-conscious that they go rogue and turn evil and a lot of this stuff was introduced uh by a writer named uh, and programmer named greg kirkpatrick who uh was vital for marathon one marathon two and uh started his own studio that created marathon infinite which was the third game in the series uh, it used uh, technology similar to the Doom engine, yep. where uh, even, again, still not technically 3D, it was 2D graphics information that was presented with like height information and scaling and this kind of uh, impressive kind of processor triage so that the graphics were, that were being displayed was only what was absolutely necessary to display. And the game itself was even in a sub-window. With a bunch of other menus around it, which was kind of a bungee thing at the time. Even Pathways has that. Um, and uh, I looked at some footage of Marathon, and I did feel like, you know, it doesn't have the speed and the sort of, like, the big fucking mean hairy balls of, of Doom and, and Wolfenstein. But it was a little bit smarter. Yeah. And if there is one thing... And it that had a little more polish. Like, it just looked a little Oh, cooler. the texture work was a lot better yeah. the lighting was uh was better uh but here's the thing here is the ultimate nerd move uh again i knew i knew kids that owned macintoshes back in the day and their parents were hippies and like they thought they were good at graphic design and they were mercilessly picked on and so if you were if you were a nerd that is absolutely picked on that is absolutely feels like subjugated by a majority the one thing you clutch onto is that your thing is actually the smart, better thing. And everyone else is an idiot that doesn't realize it. And like, <laughs> no, seriously, Marathon for Mac gamers, for, you know, people that were just this minority of the computing public that was part of this like kind of culture around the fact that they're secretly the best and no one appreciates them. Marathon was such this such a such a such a uh, a towering example uh, of like no we have it we don't have it worse than you you have it worse than us because we have marathon yeah 
And uh, and I mean for for the consoles that was uh, me as a Sega kid. Yeah, exa- versus Nintendo kids. Um, I mean, it's not even Sega Nintendo. It's like Turbo Graphics sixteen Nintendo. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah, Mac gaming was not a great place back no, then. But they had Merida. I love saying it like that, dude. Merida. Uh, does Doom have lengthy paragraphs of text about the meaning of consciousness? That, yeah. I don't think so. And that so that's the thing that they they kind of reveled in. The Doom always kind of. Uh, leaned away from uh, in, in their development process. Also, too, um, that the goal of most levels wasn't just to reach the end, usually. It had a different uh, objectives, mm-hmm. and they worked with that. And again, I'm bringing up the objectives. I'm bringing up the um, the, ref- the the regenerating life bar, mm-hmm. and I'm bringing up the storytelling, te- because that's all going to lead us uh, on a pathway to what will become Halo. So these are the mm-hmm. things that are sort of the seeds that are being planted right now. So they had things like you had to exterminate all or uh, specific creatures in a level um you had to locate a, a certain area um and retrieve an item um you had to repair things you know different things like that it wasn't just get to the end which is again doom is like find the keys open the doors get to the end of the level right but this game had like specific tasks and again that would kind of uh come back i think in in this sort of way that you play a modern um halo game or even just halo combat so this marathon the series becomes a hit on macintosh Mm -hmm. it is you know lines around the block finally like this entire culture has a hero for them to to kind of wield uh to fight back against their own inferiority complex i'm projecting a lot on mac owners (laughs) um (laughs) Um, there was and 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 the volume of orders was actually more that they could take remember the mail and phone line system well, they actually got overwhelmed. It was tens of thousands of orders. They had to hire another company to handle the orders. They had no idea what the fuck they were doing. Um, if you've have you seen the original boxes for Marathon, they're like these cool origami like triangles with an inner cube. Cool. So I feel like they're at a certain point, like the employees at Bungie were like, "I'm sick of folding goddamn triangles," <laughs> and they were folding them themselves. Yeah. Like that's the thing you have to realize as well. Um, now, next, of course, comes Marathon Two, and. Uh, the reason why I jump right into that is because it had uh, high praise for its multiplayer mode. Mm. Now, the reason why... Net play. And again, it was constantly like, what can we do to be the same but different from id and mm. uh, Doom and Quake and everything? Now Quake is out, right? Uh, I believe around this time. Uh, maybe. Maybe I- a little later. Well, either way, they had not just a deathmatch multiplayer mode. They had Kill the Man with the Ball. They had King of the Hill. They had a tag mode. They had co-op modes. Um, um, so these and this was very new for the time having different than just all right this team kills that team it was very different or, or every man for themselves kill each other but they actually were, were trying were, were introducing different modes and again these would all come back later in the multiplayer that would hit the Xbox uh, so uh, marathon marathon 2 and uh, marathon infinite come out those are sequels marathon infinite was uh, Greg Kirkpatrick uh, actually branched out, became a solo studio uh, called Double Ot Studios and personally, uh, you know, oversaw Marathon Infinite. It did not do as well in the uh, in the critical response and sales because by this time uh, they were using the Marathon 2 engine and it was showing, you know, it was showing its age. 
what was cool though is it did come with Forge and Anvil, which was the their uh, the apps that Bungie used to create levels and mess with physics. So when you got the game, it actually allowed you to create things, do things with it. They were very supportive of the community to make new things, do new things themselves, kind of like early Rockstar uh, crossover to that episode. Yeah, we haven't even gone into the fact that one of the major things that Bungie did right was engage with the audience. Absolutely. And uh, the entire history of the company is filled with responding to people on their forums at Bungie.net, building a personal lore for their individual employees, actually playing their games so often that the other players they would end up playing with would actually get hired by Bungie. And so it created this very, very clear and direct line of communication between gamers and the company. And we should explain what Bungie.net is. That existed at this point, Jake? I think so. So Bungie.net was their sort of user interface where they could connect directly with their fans online. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Bungie.net. Their forums were very popular. That's yeah, what either way. But say. eventually Bungie.net happens, and again, it was all for them to be able to uh, uh, relate directly to their audience and have that kind of relationship. And we'd even see that later with like the YouTube videos of the different um, Halo, like the red <laughs> versus blue or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those those uh, YouTube videos. Um, yeah, I was watching. I mean, YouTube. By God, like this yeah. is this is pre YouTube. This oh, is it like, is. This is machinima.com. This is like we're a early weird internet video. It was a comedy. It was a series of comedy videos that these guys made using Halo characters, and they didn't hit them with a lawsuit. In fact, they supported it, and yeah. that is a huge deal for a company, a, a game company, any any sort of property. That is a massive deal that they wouldn't come after them. And in fact, they were like, "We think your shit is great. Keep making more shit." I mean, it's they, really they smart business. They hired them, like they hired them as yeah. like mascots and as like kind of uh, as part of their media presence and obviously became Rooster Teeth, which is its own now giant uh, internet media empire. Mm -hmm. Are you ready to talk about myth, the fallen lords? Uh, it was a pretty good, uh, pretty good real time strategy game. Fallen lords. It was, uh, you know, it had uh, 3D environments, uh, but still 2D sprite characters. Have you heard about the myth? It's a story of the fallen lords. It had, uh, like, several uh, real-time strategy games at the time. It had uh, light, kind of a lighthearted sense of humor, similar to Warcraft and Command and & Conquer. Oh, no, the lords have fallen, and they cannot get up. <laughs> I don't think it was actually about picking up lords. <laughs> it's not about picking up lords? It's not about physically lifting lords that are just kind of turtling oh. on the ground. <laughs> I thought it was just a bunch of handicapped lords uh it was a it was a good game and it got an incredible it's, uh response it's, it's a weird turn for them is a lot of times you're like okay they're building to this franchise no, real time strategy was huge right but it's huge. just it's just funny because they're, they're like making these first person shooters and third person shooters they're like doing all this like they're they're like building to this whole obvious thing and then it's like this feels like a interesting kind of detour that they take and apparently they did that as a, as a um reaction to seeing early screenshots of uh quake i think quake 2 and they were like, uh, fuck it, let's not try to do that anymore. Let's just try to make something different completely because they got actually really intimidated, I think, by what 3D they 3D graphics was the shit. We've talked about this. The The very idea of polygons would cause kids to just empty their entire parents' bank accounts. Mm -hmm. So uh, if they weren't, if they didn't have the tech to make 3D work in a fast shooter environment, they were going to make it work in a very similar, uh, in a, in a, I'm sorry, in a similarly popular genre that hadn't made the jump to 3D yet. It which goes, was, it goes Heroin, crack cocaine, 3D graphics. Crystal bath. <laughs> Crystal bath. <laughs> Makes your nips fall off, and then you eat them and you get even higher. I just don't even understand why anybody would be interested in based off of that description. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Mario 64. <laughs> um, myth, uh, myth was popular. Uh, sold several hundred thousand copies on both Mac and PC. Uh, Bungie's loyal Mac audience was not were not particularly pleased with that. But mm. again, Bungie took steps. They grew a little bit. These are all incremental steps. Then Myth 2 happens. And uh, whoopsie doodle. Do you know about... Yeah. I mean, honestly, the future of the company is completely changed by Myth 2. So they're about to get acquired by... Uh, spoiler alert. They're about to get acquired by Microsoft for, for the... Oh, oh, are you talking about? Well, well, what I heard was part of the reasoning behind them being like, all right, cool. We're going to get acquired by Microsoft now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that they lost millions of dollars. And how did that happen, Jake? So Myth 2, the sequel to their popular real-time strategy game, uh, Myth, uh, was, you know, lining up. It was their biggest release yet. Uh, you know, there were stocking shelves at CompUSA, Circuit City, Nobody Beats the Wiz, Bob Circuit Shack, Micro Center, Bloops a Blippin'. Uh, <laughs> Electronics Gaming Boutique, which is what I used to go to to get my games. That's actually that's actually completely true. Radio Shack, Radio Hut. Funko Land? Funko Land, woo! God. Dude, I loved Funko Land. We got, we're, uh, fuck it. We're doing an episode on it. It might be episode 850. <laughs> Too. We're gonna do an episode of with my just, dying breath. I shall sing the praises we're of just, Funko. We're Man. just desperate. Right after the episode on the world ends with you, it's gonna happen, Jake. It's just us. Oh, and then in 1992, Funko Land started having hard times in business. Just gonna be like so defeated. Just talking about the retail years for Funko Land. So uh, they're about to release Myth Two. This is gonna be their biggest game ever. They are counting the money, and uh, their Japanese localization team. Uh, sends him a little bug notice, and it's like, uh, hey, guys, um, just a quick heads up. If you try and uninstall the game when you have it installed in your uh, root directory, like your C drive, uh, the game erases your entire hard drive and makes your computer unusable. <laughs> uh, and, so, yeah, that was the bug. Was uh, If you run the uninstaller, the uninstaller just goes, well, I'm just going to delete everything. Just straight up says, fuck you. I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's way more hardcore than id software or rockstar. Oh, but software you don't want to play our game? Well, yeah. fuck, fuck you. you. All, your sh- all your family photos are gone. <laughs> gone. And this is the mid-90s, so you know it's like a real grainy-ass photo. Yeah. That picture of half of a tits <laughs> is now gone. Your entire CompuServe tit library. Uh now, this was a rare bug because not many people would go out of their way to install the game onto their seat, like, root directory, but it was still possible. I think I used to do that when I was just, like, too lazy. I would just hit C drive and install games directly to it's there. It's just that, I mean, I, I do it. I might do it now sometimes. It's just that uh, that is such a shitty fucking <laughs> thing to happen. So no matter what, I mean, that you can't imagine. And this is pre-internet. I mean, this is, I mean, it was the internet. What am I saying? The internet was absolutely a thing. This was pre like internet games distribution. So there was no day one patch. There was no way around it. And the company, you know, like sat down and was like, we'll get blowback. It'll cost a lot. It'll suck. But the idea that we would knowingly harm our user base is too much of an affront. Is too badass. Take that, <laughs> Rockstar and id Software. So they, <laughs> they recalled should, the game. What I'm saying is they should have leaned into it. Oh, they should yeah. have just been like, fucking leather jackets. They just show up in <laughs> yeah. leather jackets. They're just like, fool the world. Bungie's here to say <laughs> that we will end you if you ever stop <laughs> playing our game. 
And what are the Mac users going to do? They don't have any other games to play. <laughs> they bought a wrong computer. See, this was also out on PC, so they had no choice. They're that's like, that's oh, true. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, they recalled the, uh, you know, they recalled the games from stores, from distribution warehouses. Uh, if you're not into, if you, I mean, it, there's tons of controls and fees and penalties in place to make sure that companies don't do this. Uh, the company that had already been sprinting and, you know, been working to the bone to get the game out by release then had to come back into the offices and hand ch like change the boxes, slap new UPC codes, take out the CDs from the packaging, re-shrink wrap the little jewel cases, and it caught, they estimated to have been a multi-million dollar mistake. Oof, that'll make your fucking lords fall down. I'll tell you that much. Uh, to keep the company <laughs> afloat, know, is that a reach? Uh, Seropian <laughs> and uh, Jones sold a small stake of the company to Take-Two Interactive. Is that Bungie West? Uh, that's where that's how that's where Oni comes into play. I got a little confused with Oni. I have to. I, I'm not gonna lie. I only got like one tidbit on Oni because I was like, what, "How does this game exist? I don't understand." Uh, the company had been courted a little bit by uh, Microsoft, uh -huh. and I want to say the guy's name is Ed Freeze. I think Ed Freeze is the guy's name, right? Who was the uh, creator of the Xbox and the designer of the main hardware, and uh, Mr. Freeze from Batman's and, uh, and Mr. Freeze the Bat. Gallery. <laughs> you got it. It's. I mean, I. Love the guy's hardware, but he won't stop talking about Nora, Nora, <laughs> and making bad ice puns. Um, oh, see, so you and Schwarzenegger, I go animated series. That's oh amazing. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you have to go Schwarzenegger with. Uh, oh man, I, I watched the dinosaurs, <laughs> the Ice Age. <laughs> stop you, baby. Uh, uh, okay, so um, <laughs> after showing interest in Bungie's uh, upcoming game Halo, yes. Uh, oh God, we forgot. Okay. Hey, okay, so the company is Halo. The company is in the shit. Uh, they made a huge mistake, but they had Halo, and they had started work on Halo. Uh, they announced it at MacWorld 1999. Steve Jobs by, himself by Steve Jobs. You can see the footage if you look it up, which is pretty cool to see. Uh, originally released on Mac and PC. And by the way, watch this footage because it was originally. I it, it looks in the footage to be a third person shooter. At the time, it was right. It was originally developed as that. So. But it looked awesome for the time. The, it looked incredibly impressive. Again, polygons. And you look at the footage right now. Uh, if you look at the footage, it's not very impressive at all. <laughs> but the idea that these polygons, these three real 3D graphics were running on your bedraggled, so maligned Macintosh was such a fuck you empowerment thing for Mac users. Um, it was originally codenamed Monkey Nuts. Which, after enough developers <laughs> had to explain what they were working on and got embarrassed, they changed it to Blam. Yeah, apparently uh, Jason himself, Mr. Uh, Jason Jones, was so embarrassed to talk about the game <laughs> with his mother that he ended up changing it, yeah, to, to, uh, to is it, what is it again? Blam? Blam, with an exclamation. They have a lot of, they have a weird thing with exclamation marks, because also, Nop! Had an exclamation mark at the end of it. They're not a subtle team. I just realized that Nop is Pong. Backwards. I said it. I said it out loud. You goddamn. I wasn't listening. I was in La La. You was hear about my the... words. I was just seeing a bunch of lords falling down all over, <laughs> over and over again. I was just like, dude, dude, dude. That's what happens in my head if I had a little bubble come out of it. Uh, so this 3D game, because they were working with the Myth uh, engine to create 3D environments, and they actually finally found enough processing power to have 3D troops on the ground. And the more they started experimenting, the more they just enjoyed the feeling of being just not controlling a group of Space Marine troopers, just ha controlling one 
Space Marine Trooper in a 3D world just felt good to them. It was like a nice, liberating experience. So they focused the experience more and more. Uh, and by the time it made it to Macworld, it was a third-person game. Um, a lot of the early designs are pretty much exactly what you'll recognize from the Banshee is there. The tank is there. Master Chief is basically Master Chief. Uh, they did a lot of work on the on the mechanical designs and the environments. You can see like the halo ring structure and early blam footage. So like they definitely had an idea of what they were going for, what that ex what the feeling was of being a big space marine tramping around in a 3D space. Uh, problem was. They ran out of fucking money because Myth 2 shat the bed. Myth 2 fucked him, but luckily Microsoft was there. They they, so and they this, had a... According to legend, according to legend, okay. I couldn't find sources on this. this I is don't think I know this. This is hearsay. Uh, they stayed loyal. They stayed loyal, and they, uh, you know, they... Uh, and, uh, Microsoft was like, hey, we would love it if uh, Halo came to Xbox. And they were like, oh, hey, funny story. How about you buy our fucking company? <laughs> like now. We promise we won't put a bug in our game that deletes your console. Uh, and uh, they, put the, they put the word out uh, to Microsoft. And the Microsoft's representative was like, well, think about it. And uh, in good faith, they supposedly did make the offer to Apple. Like uh, there's 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 legend that Apple was given a call saying like, hey, we're about to, you know, we need someone to buy us off. Like, will you help us? We've been, you know, so key to the Apple Mac environment. And uh, Steve Jobs said, what do we need a game company for? That's not our core business. Like they would just be awkward on the side. Hmm. Microsoft says yes to Bungie. And upon hearing that. Uh, Steve Jobs actually calls uh, Jason Jones and Seropian and says like, okay, fuck it, yeah, 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 okay, we'll buy you. Don't go to don't go to Microsoft. But by that time, it was already too late. The deal had been signed. Huh. So there was an alternate reality where like Bungie was still making yeah. games for the iMac and the Pippin. Because I mean, if you probably already know this or or, ha or have this you know understanding, but if uh, Bungie didn't exist for the Xbox, if Halo didn't exist <laughs> for the Xbox, the Xbox would have been fucked. No the way, Xbox man. Binks had... the Time Sweeper. <laughs> buh, 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 Binks. Uh, uh. He's a cat. <laughs> boom, boom. He's got a vacuum, and everybody loves him. I seriously don't know. About Ripity this Binks, rap. and I'm, name I, I'm violently angry upon hearing about it. It just sounds like Bubsy. Is it not just Bubsy? It's Bubsy but cooler. <laughs> remember, Binks, Rippity Rap. This is the real theme song. If I, I remember all the words. If I saw Binks in the middle of the road, confused, maybe drunk or something, I wouldn't stop the car. That's what I'm saying to you right now. And I've never felt this angry about a video game mascot or any other mascot the before. The Time Sweeper. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Xbox first introduced November 15, 2001. And originally, though, it was it got its name Xbox. Get this, ladies and gentlemen. I think a lot of people know this by this point. But the name derived from the Direct Xbox. The Direct X was their graphics API that they were using, their application programming interface. That's what that stands for. Good and for I you. learned what that is today. Um, and uh, they, you know, you got to understand, the Xbox is coming into the game in the sixth generation of consoles. The Xbox is coming into the game against the PS2, the Dream 
Dreamcast and the GameCube. When Microsoft introduced, I mean, first of all, when Sony introduced the PlayStation back during that, the fifth generation, people were like, oh, seriously? Like, Sony's entering the game? Like, ah, oh, they're probably fucked. Like, you know, we're already in the fifth generation of consoles. And, and, and it ends up being a massive success, which I'm sure is why Microsoft was like, hmm, maybe we could make a console. But then when Microsoft comes out with their stuff and their giant, way too big controller. The um, Duke. The Duke. Perfect name for that controller, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, it was like, no, no, no. You, got, you guys, there's already the PlayStation 2, the Dreamcast, which is sure to be incredibly successful, <laughs> and the uh, and the GameCube. I mean, I, you know, it just, it, it seemed like kind of nuts, and they needed something to hang their hat on for that console. So we've got Halo um, being uh, uh, previewed at the year 2000's E3 um, by Microsoft as a part of their Microsoft game division. Um, at this point, it is a third. It's still a third-person action game, I believe. Um, and we see a tr- uh, transport starship crash landing on a mysterious ring world that orbits a star, aka a halo. I can be a halo, halo, halo. Blow up that old halo, halo, halo. Oh, there's some flood there. There's like <laughs> squishy. Lords. <laughs> um uh okay, so wait. Actually, can we get the can we get it now? Okay. We'll let it wash over our audience, let them feel the halo. We're not cutting away till we get the big strings. God, I want to shoot some grunts in the fucking face. Need them strings. Yeah. We're not going till we hear them. Yes! Oh, I want to throw a cloudy blue thing at a weird mouth man. (laughs) I'm so okay. Okay, I'm sorry. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... We'll keep talking now. <laughs> no, no, cut the music. Cut so, the music. so, <laughs> so. Anyways, um, uh, they end up moving to Seattle uh, for, as a part of Microsoft's uh, offices. Uh, the, uh, Harold Ryan, the studio head, said one of the first things Microsoft tried after acquiring Bungie, after first attempting to fully assimilate them, was to move Bungie into a standard Microsoft building with the rest of the game group. But unlike the rest of the teams they'd brought in previously, Bungie didn't move into Microsoft corporate offices. <laughs> they tore all the walls out of that section of the building and sat in a big open environment. Just, they said at one point they went, by the way, little story, at one point they were going to like a games convention and they were like, hey, can you show up business casual? And they were like, hey, we're Bungie. We don't do business <laughs> casual. What? Bungie! Just, Motherfucker! Just spray painting homework sucks on the side of exactly. a Redmond Washington office park. Exactly. They were they were the, they were a bit of, they were kind of bad boys in the nerdiest possible definition of that word. Halo was amazing. It's just genuinely, they made a first-person shooter work on a console, and the uh, multi... Besides the story that had, like, this awesome sci-fi, uh, you know, world-building, the horror twist with the Flood, I honestly mm, think does not get cool. enough credit. Yeah. The idea that, like, you weren't... Like, the the 
spooky, colorful aliens who were fighting weren't the real enemy. They were, in fact, just trying to keep you away from an even more terrifying threat. And the flood was really well done. The uh, the way that they kind of kept that space marine kind of like hoorah attitude. Uh, I saw uh, notes that Jason Jones would actually read from the war journals of Winston Churchill during yeah. development yep. to keep the crew in a proper mindset. <laughs> um, now, um, you, you're you know t- gushing about this game. Full disclosure. I I, w- I was and still kind of am a, a PlayStation kid. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um. So I I really I don't have as tight of a my, but my you, had, you had a friend that played. Yes. The, okay. That's the thing. My my Halo relationship was very much more on the periphery. But I will say this. I, w- I was definitely it was it was just being in that opening world and being in that it felt like like a big open not it wasn't an open world game but it felt like a big giant plant like yeah. ecosystem world that you quake were on was dingy quake was also 3d but quake was dingy hallways and dungeons Tiny quarters yeah and this was the first time i feel like the larger audience battlefield just seeing this massive battlefield and driving through it and seeing looking up at the sky and seeing moons and and worlds and i mean it was just very awe inspiring hopping in the side of a warthog and like manning the cannon yeah it was really mind-blowing to see and yes i did have friends who had it and got to play it um and it's always going to be that for me by the way with this whole franchise even with destiny where it was like i just i had friends who were obsessed with the multiplayer which we'll get into at halo 2 um but with halo yes it just had this epicness this um this just just wide openness other little thing had little tiny things well first of all you could do that we weren't at online multiplayer yet with the first Halo, but correct? you could haul your giant ass console yes. and your giant ass controllers. Yes, all the way to get together with um, f- people with four other console or three other consoles and play a sixteen uh, uh, player multiplayer mode, which was a feature that they were very close to cutting due to the last minute crunch. But you know, enough people on the team believed in it, and it honestly com- it cemented the communal aspect of Halo and of Bungie's uh, works. And of uh, we other little things. Now this is the first time we really get that recharging shield that Halo is so well known for because that really changes up the game and how you play, especially against people. The fact that you know you can totally heal up uh, with a little bit of time really changes your strategy. That All- it's not about unless you have the goddamn sniper rifle. Which, <laughs> fuck you, that shit's super cheap. Uh, it's it's less about just flanking someone and just getting someone uh, when they're not looking like. Uh, uh, it's it's a you know it's about lighting someone up. It's about like them having a chance to react and still uh, you know nailing them down. Or just in single player, it's about like just hiding behind a rock for a second and not having to go back to another checkpoint. And this sounds uh, like a minor thing, but I think it's actually pretty major. This was the first game that allowed you to have a gun equipped and throw a grenade at the same <laughs> really? time. Yeah, it was the first gun game where you didn't have to switch to a grenade in order huh. to throw it. And that sounds small, but when you think about strategy in Halo, that's like everything uh, in Halo. Being able to just sticking someone quickly, just fucking slam a, a grenade out there, and then and then and then just bam, 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 bam. That that was a huge deal. So this game hits massive. Massive. It's released in 2001. Um, Master Chief uh, becomes a household name. Master Chief will show up at your household, will steal your mother away from your father. It was a big deal. 
<laughs> I don't know about the last part, but the rest of it is true. I mean, the motorcycle helmet, the gold visor, the fa- uh, they went through several iterations of uh, during the blam phase of Halo's development where I've seen uh, artwork and, you know, it's kind of like they go from like early 80s, like Mattel bulbous spaceman to like a further angularization. They make him taller. They make him bulkier. And so like he's an imposing figure, but he's a cipher as well. They literally thaw him out. You're like, oh, we need a cool video game hero. And the story opens and they just thaw him out. It's like, all right, Master Chief, you're here to be the video game hero. Go save the world. Um, the voice work, I have to I have to commend uh, Jen Taylor as Cortana and uh, Steve Downs as the voice of Master Chief. Who is a radio DJ. He's a Chicago area radio DJ. Uh, there's a, a short documentary on YouTube you can find called Suburban Superhero. And it's just, it's literally Master Chief, uh, you know, going through his daily motion. He's just like, uh, here, you can get some yogurt. And I like to add a little bit of, of sweet and low to the coffee <laughs> and then a banana for the road. <laughs> uh, there's, there's an assurance, there's a confidence, there's uh, in the, the, the interplay between the, the, uh, you know, the voice work was really well done. I forgot. I don't know who did the Sarge character, but just having the Sarge guy being like, hoorah, 10, four, I'm a kick your ass. I don't know how military people speak. Um, yeah, it was, it was, Absolutely massive, and they immediately then get to work on their next game, Halo 2, which is arguably, I think, even more of a giant deal. Correct? Uh, correct. Uh, we skipped over Oni, but that's fine. Don't even worry about it. I barely had worry, anything on Oni. Do not worry about Oni. I do barely had even, anything on Oni. Nobody cares about Oni. There's a bunch of guns in it. It's a, a third-person action fighter, but not good enough to actually... They don't make good third-person action fighters until later. Um, so, anyways, uh, we get to Halo 2. Uh, it was originally not intended to be a tri- trilogy, but uh, after the success of Combat Evolved, they, they went went nuts. And, and their scale was so huge that actually uh, their first-person story, uh, people were kind of pissed at the level of cliffhanger that it ended on. Um, but uh, they, I got to finish the fight. <laughs> they ended Wait, up... No, no, no. In the, it's, this is a video game. I get to finish the fight. <laughs> what kind of game ends with, don't worry, I'm a fight later it's it's such it is truly like i don't want to say blue balls but i'm just grasping my genitals plead like pleading for release at the end of halo 2 i can't remember whether it was halo 2 or halo 3 i played through um and i really enjoyed the co-op of uh with ben kissel actually from uh (laughs) uh, last podcast around table of of gentlemen we played through it together and had a blast um but either way had great co-op and now um we're gonna get uh we got xbox uh has the edge over sony and nintendo with their xbox live Mm. uh uh ability to play multiplayer games now they had that was kind of the thing that their console had to hang its hat on besides halo itself was just that they had actual working you know almost to the level of pc gaming Mm -hmm. uh multiplayer hardcore action Mm -hmm. right so uh halo 2 comes out just in time they almost weren't able to put it out in time i mean we're talking some crazy crunches happening for all of the releases of these games and apparently that is why the game ends on such a cliffhanger is because they just ran out of time like uh there are stories of developers not seeing their families for eight days straight people sleeping in the offices a lot of companies uh in games industry go into this crunch mode but the culture this kind of like live games die games kill your friends kill your enemies friends attitude pizza cargo shorts (laughs) attitude uh i love cargo shorts (laughs) they're the ultimate garment um 
led to just, yeah, these kind of uh, inhuman pushes at the end to get games done. Yeah, the Xbox 360 comes out in 2004. Halo, I believe, is Halo 2 is also released in 2004. Halo 2 is 2004. And this multiplayer is fucking huge. I don't know if you remember it. I mean, I I remember it. I just I it was gigantic. I mean, people were just not leaving their dorms. You know, we kind of <laughs> mentioned it earlier. Uh, it was just incredibly, incredibly successful. Um, for f- like just unending deathmatch, um, just people loving the shit out of just blasting each other to bits over and over and over again, and it really just took the whole gaming world by storm, especially the console gaming world. Uh, there were extra techniques. There were like little combos where you could like skip animations to get extra damage in a smaller amount of time, and quite a bit of cheating going on. Actually, there was a lot of weird uh, standbying. The modem was a thing. <laughs> you could just put your modem by on standby, and it would freeze up all the other players. If you were the host and you could just like win games, there was some glitch where you could create a doppelganger of your of yourself. Um, that, I've seen footage. I had no idea that's what was happening. A lot of crazy shit like that. Um, and uh, but still, the, this is the first time we're getting uh, this this because for me, like playing multiplayer games only really existed. Rec- I have to be honest, the division was really my first like true multiplayer experience. Personally, I wasn't really a multiplayer person back in the day. Didn't have a lot of friends. No, but I also just didn't. I had a I had a PlayStation, PlayStation two and PlayStation PlayStation three. I guess they kind of got it together with multiplayer online, but that was never really Sony's bag, you know? I mean, that became... To this day, people still complain about it. Yeah, it's... it's. I mean, I, I played the shit out of, you know, Overwatch, Division, um, on, on PlayStation 4 and have really very little problems. But, yeah, it just... Especially back in the 360 era... It was what 360 had far be uh, far and beyond over PlayStation um, for quite some time, and uh, yeah, that's why the the Halo franchise just went for that. They just took all that multiplayer stuff that they were messing with back in the marathon days, um, even the the Myth days, and and just brought it to console at, at the perfect time, mm-hmm. and it just exploded all over the faces of gamers. Are you saying it was the addictive and easy to set up multiplayer that drove the uh, series to financial success and not the deep storyline of the Arbiter? (laughs) Keith David as the Arbiter, the honorable flappy mouth weirdo. (laughs) What was cool was, at least, unlike a lot of other multiplayer games today that focus on that, there was... He had an energy sword and golden (laughs) armor and a real weird flappy mouth. There was at least a story to hang its hat on. There were interesting... taking risks and making choices at least you know unlike today where you might you might get like a a three-hour story mode uh single player but it's really a a multiplayer game um almost 100 percent with with certain games well we'll get into uh bungie and story when we get into destiny there's a wizard on the moon jake (laughs) all right several several wizards (laughs) So, um, and then after that, they finish out the trilogy with Halo 3. Now, this is when I really got the taste. Like, I don't even know. Halo 2 didn't have a ton of friends with Xbox 360. Didn't have a lot of gamer friends. This was, like, during that period would be the period, like, kind of late college where I was playing games the least. Mm -hmm. In fact, what I was doing was going through a weird... um, uh, 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 schooling for myself. I got emulators on my on my <laughs> like gateway computer and just played the shit out of all those Super Nintendo games.
games that I didn't get to play when I was a kid. So I was actually putting myself through a weird like gaming academia that I didn't even realize I was doing. But like it was all like, oh, what was this experience like? What was this experience like? And then I ended up. um, Yeah, I never had a a PlayStation 3 or anything like during that kind of console during that console cycle. But I remember when I first got to New York, um, my roommates, a lot of or my uh, friends rather who live all live together. A lot of them were members of Murder Fist. They got into Halo 3 like big <laughs> like big like I, I was just like oh um what are you guys doing tonight and it would just be we're just we're just we are playing halo 3 new game all modes, night uh the forge which allowed for new multiplayer levels to be developed by the community uh the you know enhanced graphics new weapons enhanced physics like it was a as solid as of of an experience as you can have on a console and uh as soon as halo as halo 3 was uh, released on october 1st 2007 bungie buys back their company the employees pool their resources and go independent from microsoft with uh the caveat that under contract they still have to release two more halo games and that's how we get odst and reach both uh add uh both do some interesting things with the uh, with the story. ODST is just a single trooper, not a Spartan. So, like, you kind of have more of a ground-level noir story in a major city, which is a setting that's unique to Halo. And Reach, you're an entire team of Spartans, including uh, Nathan Fillion as Buck, the lovable, the lovable Spartan, <laughs> the unstoppable genetic killing machine with the aw-shucks attitude. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, I remember at the time people were upset because they wanted to be Master Chief, even though as a character, Master Chief is literally just you. Yeah, it's, just, it's so hey, strong so you. So silly. Yeah. Uh, uh, apparently, ODST right had like a, a arguably the strongest storyline. It has a really good story, uh, and it's kind of a, it was rushed to release. I think it took a year to actually make. But there's interesting characters that like uh, you engage with civilians. It kind of gives a human face to this intergalactic war. That is the background radiation of the Halo franchise, um, so, and uh, in in hindsight, people have a much more positive experience. Uh, mm. uh, they, they like it. They like it now. They like it now. I was gonna say collection, but yes. <laughs> uh, now, on uh, first of all, I want to take one step quick back and say Alex Seropian leaves in 2003 and founds Wide Load Games. They create a couple games called Stubbs the Zombie and Hail to the Chimp. Was a parent company of uh, was Stubbs Disney. the Zombie is a fun ass game. It's a fun ass game. Parent company was Disney. Closed in 2014, unfortunately. But either way, he 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 put his work in. He put his time in. And, and now on October 1st, 2007, Bungie announces that it will split from Microsoft to and become a privately held uh, LLC makes a crazy ass 10-year publishing agreement with Activision. And by the way, Activision, before Microsoft acquires Bungie, Activision notably made a huge offer to them, and they ended up going with uh, Microsoft. So this is Activision coming back around to them, apparently. Um, Bungie expands their office to 120 employees in May 2008, and then 169 employees in June of 2009. And uh, they actually fucking bought a uh, a former multiplex movie theater and redesigned into their new offices, an 80,000 square foot office space. Um, so massive. And uh, yeah, and then that's when they begin their work on a little known game <laughs> as Wizards on the Moon. I'm uh, sorry, I mean Monkey Ball. I'm sorry, I mean, <laughs> I mean de- Destiny. There's a great talk by uh, Bungie employees at uh, GDC where they talk about how the world of Destiny was formed. And it was driven largely by concept art and emotions. So like, 
Uh, the original code name for the project was Project Tiger because of uh, all their artwork involved cool tigers standing next to space warriors because that captured the mood they wanted. <laughs> this mythic sci-fi fantasy where like there could be monsters and there could be goblins, but also you have a fusion rifle. <laughs> this kind of mixture of like the, uh, the, the cool aesthetics and abilities of a sci-fi setting with the mythic grandeur of a fantasy setting. The Traveler, the big sphere that runs the light or something. The story in destiny's trash uh was again just a yeah. piece of concept art that they're like that's cool that's going to be in the game and um according to a kotaku article oh. uh the game was really close to finish and joe Staten, who worked on the uh halo story uh you know and it's the cinematics which a lot of people really enjoyed uh presented a two-hour supercut of the plot and and game progression of Destiny as they had finished it that so far. And apparently it didn't test well with the execs. Jason the Jones. I read, yeah. which I was like, ugh. Jason Jones <laughs> and the rest of the Bungie uh, higher-ups were mortified and immediately shifted into crisis mode because uh, it played, it, you know, it presented Destiny as a linear game like Halo. And mm. what the vision of Destiny was for Bungie was that it can't just be a game. It has to be this multiplayer shared universe. 10-year plan. Yeah. This massive, like, World of Warcraft-like community that only grows and adapts and a place where individual users can just sink entire years of their life into. Uh, the, you know, the, you know, selling a $60 game is okay. Selling... $20 expansions for the rest of time, that's where you make money. The designers worked around the seven pillars or the seven core principles which ensure that a game is accessible and both casual um, for uh, veterans of FPSs and MMOs. Now those seven pillars are this. world A world players want to be in uh, is one. A bunch of fun things to do in it is two. Rewards players care about is three. A new experience every night that's number four. Shared with other people. That's number five, the social aspect. Number six is enjoyable on all, by all skill levels. Now, I think that's one of the trickiest. Uh, whether you're a noob, a noober, as the kids say, or a vet, a vetty boy, as the children say. And no, no one, no one says that. <laughs> and enjoyable. Uh, I love this one. Enjoyable by the impatient and distracted, <laughs> <laughs> which I guess is kind of true. Uh, it took me, I want to say, twenty hours of playing Persona Five before I was like, okay, I'm okay with this very kind of chilled out game experience it took me quite a while to like get used to it because of the other games around it that are just like here here's another cool thing do you want to see another cool thing look at your map there's like a hundred gold eggs look at all these eggs you know uh the version of destiny that made it into stores and onto consoles uh was really lacking in storytelling uh yeah you know uh peter dinklage's uh famously half-assed line readings yeah of uh, as the voice of ghost um which was later completely re-recorded for quote-unquote consistency uh, since he wasn't around to record the new stuff uh yeah i don't think that was uh, uh a line by a character called the stranger which in the joe Staten cut was you know this mythical like assistant that um, you know led you down a whole new pathway of uh of plot uh is 
just kind of this cool robot lady in the regular version and a line of dialogue that she says when at a very key point of the story where you really should be learning why anything is happening. She says, I don't have time to explain why I don't have time to explain. <laughs> <laughs> and also um, another uh, the, the wizard on the moon thing we should also was in the uh, Destiny <laughs> Alpha. And all, it, that it wizard caught, came from the moon. It caught fire. Yeah, that wizard came from the moon was a line that painted Peter Dinklage or, uh, mm-hmm. uh, said at some point in the Alpha. And so, yeah, everybody kind of went nuts on that. And apparently it makes a little more sense. Also, though, the lore was incredibly hard to access. You, you had to get, look up cards the online. The grimoire cards. Yeah, you had to look it up online and read about it. Um, and, and that's just one of... Uh, have, did you play Destiny? Here's the thing. I didn't, but... Uh, I talked to this week. I talked to everyone I knew that did play destiny. And even with like the, you know, the groaning inducing uh, plot line, even with the incredibly frustrating gameplay loops and early versions where like to get loot, you only got like a mystery box that you had to like trade in to like, see if you could actually get the thing you wanted. Apparently the loot grind is a shit show, especially the post game loot grind. And also the, the rep there, there's just apparently just not enough stuff in the game to do. You know, not enough stuff to do. Super producer Meg, uh, you you you're giving you're giving knowing looks. Have you have you been to Venus and Mars and fought the Vex and the Hive? And I have not. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were nodding like you were like, oh, I need to I need to tell you guys about my level fifty hunter with my sleeper simulant. No, it was eggs. I gotta get eggs. I, uh, <laughs> I need tomato sauce, bolognese. Oh. Probably uh, bolognese. <laughs> so where How Bungie? Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I went grocery shopping earlier today. That's why. Um, but- where Bungie <laughs> did focus their design, though, was the way that the gunplay felt and the apparently cool it feels em- awesome. The empowerment, uh, the social aspects, like people that did keep playing it, genuinely just said like it's a place to hang out with your friends. Uh, you know that at least someone's going to be there, and it's just kind of chill. You can go anywhere. The armor designs are cool. The you know, even though it is like a very Skinner box kind of deal, the idea of getting one of these exotic weapons like the Gallahorn or the Thorn Pistol just drove people to to keep going like a lot of MMOs kind of do. The idea was to get the casual shooter audience into the addiction loop of an MMO, which I mean, if you're you know, if people are having if people are having fun, go for it. And um, director of Destiny 2, Luke Smith, I think. One of the directors, obviously. It's a huge project. Uh, said that uh, they did not have any idea of what the darkness was in the original game. <laughs> they just needed a word for bad guys. Yeah, <laughs> so they yeah. just referred to anything that you had to shoot in the face as a member of the darkness. It, it was just such a huge undertaking just like it was just like halo 2 was for them i mean it was just like this giant massive scope of an undertaking and so they kind of had to skimp on things like um story and uh like um non-repeating grinding <laughs> you know missions and stuff uh, and a lot was, of the dlc missions were were kind of criticized for being repetitive but apparently the dlc is when the game really came together apparently it wasn't a full game feel it didn't feel like a full game until taken king and rise of iron came out and especially um the and and also which is kind of i feel like is unfortunate and another reason why i, I just couldn't get into the to, to go and pick up the copy of it which i may actually do with destiny 2 um uh is just that 
the uh the raid is really the best part now the raids at the end raids like from mmos or you know a group of you uh you and your friends get together and pull off this like massive mission with like crazy boss fights you all have to work together and and you're oh we should mention there's classes uh uh the titan Hunter. the warrior the the hunter um all from star wars stuff the hunters are like the bounty hunter in star wars warlocks are like uh jedi <laughs> um and titans are um stormtroopers or uh master chief was another influence for according the to the uh, design document the uh, titan all metal the uh hunter half cloth half metal warlock all cloth <laughs> there you go that's that's how you know how cool you are that's how you know how cool you are and of course the dances the dance emotes that you mm. get um but but the problem with the raid at the same time was like there was so much grinding and just so much work you had to put into the game just to be able to play with your friends i was talking to one friend of mine he was like man i i like the game and it's fun to play with friends but there's like there's like homework <laughs> and i was like oh i heard that i was just like no and then the whole grinding for light level and everything that we were just talking about. So there was a lot of criticism. There was a lot of things they were doing right. It creates an Uber class. Like yeah. the people that do put in the homework, get the magic guns, get the super helmets. And there are people who love destiny and love the loop and love playing with their friends and and a lot of that is just it's a good excuse to get together with friends um via gaming and just have an awesome time together you know and and this is a good way for that to happen but um destiny 2 looks really like something that could be great um now that they've kind of gone through all the motions they've gone through with destiny 1 and added that dlc and now i feel like they have they understand what a full game of destiny needs to be one one of the big things that they had kind of promised was, you know, kind of like Mass Effect, you would have, uh, you would create a character and that character would uh, continue on through all the games. Now, um, to some people's chagrin, they, they had to, they're wiping all of the, you know, yeah. all the weapons that you got and all your level and leveling I mean, and everything. for what should be a social game, like, it'd be really weird on day one yeah. of what I assume is going to be popular because the word, you know, again, talking yeah. to people all week is the promise of Destiny with all their shit worked out yeah. is intoxicating to yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. So the idea of just like playing day one with just this uber god class just like towering above everyone. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's like any of these MMOs too. You you uh you know after a certain point they need new players to be able to feel free to come in. So even in Destiny One, if I picked it up today, I could uh, like get some item and immediately <laughs> level up to like the current level, you know, and then be grinding light levels and stuff or whatever. So you know it's just like that, but still, yeah, I think also more the reason because they could just do that if they wanted to, like the World of Warcraft way. But more so the reason for doing that is they were like, oh, we fucked a lot of shit up with the way we handled gear and up grades and leveling and we're going to try to fix that with destiny 2 so i think a lot of it actually is more just to say hey we're going to wipe this slate clean you can keep your appearance of your character and all that good stuff but we need to wipe this slate clean and 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 make and make this leveling system right if we kept it you would just continue to complain about the issues there also they're going to be introducing microtransactions cha-ching oh, please mana, 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 mana. got to um, the trailer for Destiny 2 is very bizarre. It's like this weird mix between like comedy and seriousness that doesn't quite feel right, but at least they're going for they stuff. They have basically a whole new writing staff and a more traditional bad guy. Like now it's like General Emperor Dark Gaul who like is just like muhaha I'm a I'm a be the bad guy instead of like the lord of shadowfall the worm king <laughs> and um, it's uh and it's set to be released by the way on September 6th 2017 so 
all we've seen from Bungie is just pretty much a vertical, just incremental steps higher and higher and higher and higher. Uh, Jason Jones has been with the company this entire time, which is almost unheard of in uh, video game circles for like, you know, be a kind of unbroken line or like reign of terror. Uh, early in Bungie's uh, fan community, they released the Bungie plan for world domination, a seven step plan that was kind of an in-joke. And as the years have gone on, uh, it kind of has been coming true. Uh, step one, start an independent gaming software company. Check. Uh, step two, dominate the Mac platform. Launch an assault on the Windows platform. Check. Step three, announce a killer gaming title that'll set the world on fire. Check. <laughs> step four, uh, acquire a strangely addictive Chinese food company. Uh, that one says checked, and I don't know why. <laughs> Step five, recover Ling Ling's head. Side note, uh, within the Bungie.net fan community, uh, the idea that there was a uh, poodle's head in a jar kept in formaldehyde that people around the office would uh, exchange and play games with uh, is named Ling Ling. <laughs> Step six, stage a bloody coup of their new parent company. Check. <laughs> Step seven, take over the world, shoot all enemies into the sun with a giant slingshot. <laughs> Status in progress. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, also, uh, I, I think it's really funny. Uh, people, some it drives some people crazy. The idea of naming something Destiny Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of an oxymoron there. Um, all right. Well, I, I yep. mean, I think that's it. I think that wraps up our coverage on Bungie. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you go and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Our uh, goal is to be more overpowered than the Magnum Pistol in Halo CE. Hell yeah. Or the big d l sword. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Please leave a con please leave a review on iTunes. It helps us out immensely in Absolutely. ways you cannot imagine. If you're listening right now and be like, oh, I like these giggle boys. I want to help them out. That is the way you can do it right now on your phone. And you can find me on Twitch at Holdenator's Ho. I'm streaming like five, six days a week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BestJakeYoung and uh, check me out on uh, YouTube where I help out with the Drawfee channel, a hilarious zone of artists and shenanigans. Awesome. Have a good one, everybody. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Packages by Expedia. You were made to be rechargeable. We were made to package flights, hotels, and hammocks for less. Expedia. Made to travel. 